This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning. It's Monday. It's the 20th of December. I'm Tabitha McIntosh in the breakfast slot, and this is, for some of us, the last week of school. For the luckier amongst us, school is out for Christmas already, and today is the last show of the year. I'm looking back at 2021 on Edu Twitter. What did we fight over? How many of us got cancelled? Who got called a Nazi? Let's get started. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Special shout out to people like Beth Shales, who just said, does it count as lucky if I'm not in school, but I am in quarantine? Um, I'm sure, like me, your edgy Twitter timeline has been full of people, one after another, testing positive, or their children testing positive, and then going into quarantine. Um, each small personal devastation, and collectively, very scary. So good luck to everyone quarantining and good luck to everybody else doing their LFTs every day and hoping that they don't have to. I'm going to start by taking us back to February for our history of edgy beefs. Now, this one is a bit unlike all the other edgy beefs in that really teachers came together on this one, whether they are um, from the sort of socially conservative tribe tradition or the socially progressive trad tradition, or the prog tradition, or if they don't label themselves whatsoever, we all came together on this one. But here's how it started. February 19th, head teacher Lee Hill tweets the following thread, which I'm going to read you in full. During the Black Lives Matter protests, I received a passionate and brave email from a former pupil. This pupil not only educated me about the history of the three house names, but also explain the impact of seeing these figures who have links to slavery, oppression and racism on her time at our school. I'm really excited and proud to share this, he said, not just because of the individuals our school council chose as representing the school community values or the incredible art from local artist Amy Smith, but because of the courage of one child who made a stand. Um, let's see, following the email, we discussed as a staff the house names, the email sent by Francesca, and specifically why they're in place at our school. This led to some very difficult but important conversations with each other and the children. Beyond the fact that they'd been in place for decades, we had no tangible reasons behind them. We didn't learn about the people who are in charge of the houses, you know, the names of the houses in our curriculum, and we clearly didn't know all aspects of their history. None of our pupils knew who they were beyond sailors, and nor could they relate to them. More importantly, a member of our community, a child, strongly and understandably was affected by their association with the school. Bearing in mind, if any child felt this way about any area of the school, we would look at it and, where appropriate, make changes. We do not condone racism or any form of discrimination in our school, but by doing nothing, we were. We were sending a message that it was part of our culture through our inaction. It was systemic and accepted. We had a responsibility to act. Our school values are community, courage, curiosity and care. The individuals displayed proudly in our school did not match our values. They did not represent our community. They did not represent our school. Over the last few months, we have harnessed Francesca's drive for changes and met as a school community, staff, children and parents to make this happen. Our children chose who they wanted to represent each house. They did us proud. 
They chose people who were diverse, not only because of the colour of their skin, the place of their birth, or for their faith, but for their actions, their values and their impact on the world we share. This is a change driven by the children, past and present, of our school in its truest sense, something we should all be incredibly proud of, something, albeit small, that should give us all hope. Thank you to the Parents Forum for your confidentiality confidentiality while we awaited permission from Francesca to share this information. She deserved ownership of this. It was her words that lit the flame. Now, that was February 19th. And it was on Edgy Twitter. I remember liking it at the time. Um, but then The Sun on the 21st of February, so just two days later, ran with the headline, Got to be woking! UK's wokest headmaster ditches house names honouring national heroes after ex-pupil complains. A school has replaced its house names honouring national heroes with ultra-woke icons after a plea from an ex-pupil. Head Lee Hill dropped Admiral Nelson, Sir Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh. The school now uses ultra-woke icons such as eco-teen Greta Thunberg. So that was the sun. And that put the blood in the water for the press to start reacting. Daily Mail, the next day, their headline, primary school head teacher replaces houses named for oppressive British heroes like Sir Walter Raleigh and Lord Nelson with Greta Thunberg and Marcus Rashford after one ex-pupil complained. <coughs> Later that day, Calvin Robinson, who um, has now gone on to be a stalwart fixture of GB News and a real figure in... Um, what I'm going to call the, the culture war side of the universe, but it's probably quite unfair. I'm probably aligning myself that way. But before this had been um, former teacher at Michaela School um, and a governor there, I think, had been a part of sort of education circles still rather than a cultural pundit. But this was a kind of real, real point in time where he started detaching from that sphere and, and going on to become the hashtag Calvin that he is today. And he tweeted, IT colonized the curriculum. What they really mean is remove white men. Wokeness is synonymous with anti-white racism. Admiral Nelson, Sir Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh, gone. Greta Thunberg, Malala Yousafi, Marcus Rashford, in progress. And then the second tweet, he tweeted a screenshot of um, the Ofsted report, which was not done while Lee Hill was headmaster, um, found that the school required improvement and said, I agree with Ofsted on this one. The school's leadership requires improvement. Primary schools should focus on reading, writing and arithmetic, not anti-white discrimination. The woke agenda is a distraction away from the quality of teaching and learning and outcomes for pupils. And then we had some replies from Edu Twitter, still clinging on to the idea that Calvin Robinson was, was an educator rather than a, a pundit. This sort of behaviour is beneath you, Calvin. I guess I just think that Calvin has a bit more integrity than that, said James Theo. Sorry, James. He doesn't. Spectator, 23rd of February, Melanie McDonough saying, what Britain's wokest head teacher gets wrong? It only takes one really annoying person to write the great men out of a school. That and a suggestible head teacher, one Lee Hill, who posts school news on Twitter with a picture that shows off his extensive arm tattoos, posing with a takeaway coffee. Suggesting a teacher with tattoos as an authority figure does make you laugh. You wish, mate. That's when Lee's profile pic on Twitter became the subject of the story as much as what he'd done. Oh, yeah, Carolina. Carolina's saying she missed that one. Oh, well, the tattoos went on to, to be um, one of Piers Morgan's main lines of attack. And he, um, I think he called Lee Tattoo Boy for a while in, in the most obnoxious of terms. So... <laughs> 
that that happened the tattoo boy thing started to happen the focus on his arm started to happen and so we had this rather lovely edgy twitter phenomenon where every teacher with a tattoo posted about their tattoos which um i'll be coming back to my own involvement in these fights throughout the show because i'm not going to pretend i'm innocent of edgy beef i love an edgy beef as much <laughs> Caroline is saying that's my starter sorted people with tattoos are wrong discuss well according to certain certain people that certainly means you can't be a teacher with authority if you have a tattoo um so i said at that point dear god edgy twitter retrograde attitudes to tattoos are not the reason that the sun the daily mail piers morgan and assorted culture warriors have piled enthusiastically onto head teacher lee hill it's because they're racist so then we all kind of stopped talking about tattoos daily mail had been going through Lee's Twitter feed. So Lee still had a Twitter feed at this point. He hadn't had to lock down. Um, <laughs> and this this was fun. Okay. Primary headmaster who replaced houses named after oppressive British heroes like Sir Walter Raleigh and Lord Nelson with Greta Thunberg and Marcus Rashford shared joke about bringing him Gavin Williamson's severed head. <laughs> Again, breathless reporting. Mr. Hill's Twitter account shows he has been a vocal critic of Education Secretary Gavin Williamson. Yeah, Lee and literally everyone else on Twitter and, and the world. Um, I love the fact that, that it was only Lee maybe that was leading a lonely crusade against Gavlar, our least effective Education Secretary of all time. I think we can agree. Previously describing the cabinet minister as a coward and a bully. And in one tweet, he even shared another teacher's joke calling for Tory MP's head. The meme showed a no entry sign and warned people to only interrupt me if you're bringing me the vaccine, the head of Gavin Williamson or chocolate. I mean, that's a legit quite funny joke. <laughs> Beth is saying, can't imagine the focus being on any arms other than the arms of badges. If you missed that, there was an exciting showdown between whether or not Sam Elliott or Eugene McFadden had the vanier forearms. And then it turned out that all manner of women of my acquaintance have a thing for forums, which I, yeah, you go guys. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to get to Kate Clanchy in, in due chronological time, HB history. Don't you worry. So, uh, where I'd like to finish that one, Lee had to delete his account for a while, just take it private. And now he's back. And one of my favorite things that happened this year, as of the 10th of December, uh, local reporting from Hull, Primary school slammed by Piers Morgan for woke house names gets glowing Ofsted review. The report published this month said behaviour's gotten better, pupils want to learn, they promote the right to be safe, the right to learn and the right to be valued. Um, the report added parents and carers like the new head teacher and like the changes he's made. They say that their children learn more now and behave well. Teachers go out of their way to help children learn and parents say there's a real buzz about the place. I have to say Lee did not gloat quite as much as he could have done on that, though he did he did thank Piers Morgan and maybe Calvin as well for how he'd done that. Right, so like I said, that one's an unusual Twitter beef in that we were all on the same side. Um, Catherine Burblesing tweeted that, you know, she might not have made those choices herself, but every head teacher makes choices that are right for their settings. Um, a lot of her followers clearly wanted her to jump on the sort of Calvin Piers Morgan train. She absolutely wouldn't points to Catherine Burblesing. She'll be featured later in this show. Um, but in a much more characteristic edgy Twitter meltdown, we come to February and uh, Gavin Williamson calls for silent corridors and banned mobiles to be the norm. That's the headline in Schools Week. So in February, uh, 
the divine Mr. Williamson last seen with his head potentially on a platter outside Lee Hill's door, announced the existence of behaviour hubs and that they were going to, that 20 selected schools were going to be hubs for behaviour that would help other schools across the country. And everyone was instantly on alert to find out what exactly the behaviour was that would be promoted by those hubs. Um, we got the answer in April when we got the list of schools. And then the next huge meltdown I'd like to talk about is the tweet from the Department of Education, which exploded onto EduTwitter. So again, following on from Gavin Williamson's Behaviour Hubs initiative, um, it featured head teacher Stuart Locke talking about silent corridors. So what the DfE said was, behaviour hubs will help schools improve their approach to ma managing behaviour. Staff and students at Bedford Free School, one of the lead schools in the programme, tell us how good behaviour helps pupils to focus on learning and feel happy about being in school. I'm just going to quote what Stuart said there. We swept, I'll say that again, we swept the small stuff, like forgetting equipment, perhaps not paying attention for 100% of the time, perhaps talking off task. Those things are really taken seriously here. And we do that over these small things so that the big things don't happen. And then they cut to a pupil saying somewhat awkwardly, it's clearly a bit of a scripted line, which got a lot of attention to um, our silent corridors where we transition silently, right? 205 likes, 1,954 quote tweets, all of which were very, 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 very angry. Um, I got involved in this one, absolutely. I always get involved in anything about, I'm um, extremely rigid control of what people are allowed to do with their bodies and eyes and smiling and silence. We all got involved um, and it, it rumbled on and on. Stuart had to block a lot of people. Um, that's where we should probably introduce the idea of monstering, which is a phrase that a lot of people use to describe picking on a school in the tabloid press or on edgy Twitter and shaming them for a behavior that they're displaying. Um, but like I said, that was April. That And that went on for a while and then we get to July um, and here's where tabloids and edgy Twitter work together. So the Daily Mail, last seen publicly shaming Lee Hill for being too woke, just loves to shame schools in general. So they'll shame them for being too strict, they'll shame them for being too woke, they don't care as long as they can get a good school shaming on. So this one, um, this poor teacher had to delete her Twitter account as well. I'm not sure if she's back, but um, she was certainly gone after a day or so, like Lee had to as well. This is like a prison camp, is the headline. Parents blast new head teachers strict school rules that include always smiling, asking permission to pick up a pen and not looking out the window. Natalie Teese is newly appointed head of John Fernley College, Leicestershire. She sent out a list of strict new school rules that will come into force in September. Children will be expected to always smile and required to respond to whistles. That's where the whistles come in, guys. Um, other rules from the head include a ban on going to the toilet between lessons. Um, I did speak to her briefly on Twitter before she was overwhelmed by the tsunami of reaction. Um, and asked about behaviour at the school. And she said it was an already excellent school, but that she, she was really inspired by the culture of schools like Michaela, like Bedford Free School, um, of slant programmes um, sort of at, that used to be promoted by Uncommon Schools, though they changed that, of course, um, in 2020 during Black Lives Matter. Um, so we got a really fake debate going on, or I say debate in inverted commas, where a lot of people straw men get brought up on both sides all the time and this one was oh 
if you don't like this, you must want children to fight and bite each other, which is what they're doing already. And, um, and the other side was, you're Nazis. And that is often the quality of debate on edgy Twitter, which is always exciting. Um, so yeah, let's just read a little bit of that article. When the 11 to 16 year olds return to school in September, they'll be expected to always smile and learn to respond to a series of whistle commands. Now that, taken out of context with no explanation, really turned into an ongoing rumble. Um, we can see Catherine Burbel saying on December 5th, so just this month, said once upon a time, blowing a whistle in the playground to get everyone's attention was normal. Now they call it child abuse. We have very noisy trains right next to our yard. How would you all suggest that we get their attention? Or should we simply not expect their attention at all? So if you unpick that, we've got sort of the birth of an edgy myth um, that is based on some very real things. There were people very much complaining about the idea of training children with whistles. But again, that was just based on the Daily Mail's glib reporting rather than any sort of, you know, the, the things we assumed, edgy Twitter, that that might mean <laughs> were fairly hilarious. And yes, people called it dog training and reacted very strongly because if there really were a school that trained children like dogs, that would be terrible. But it's very doubtful that this school did. Um, children have to wait to be told they may pick up a pen or ruler. And if a teacher says hello to them, they should make sure that reply is upbeat. That is always a good way to start a fight on Twitter, saying that you think children should be forced to smile at their teachers because it's polite. That's always fun. Right, I'm going to play the news. And when we come back, it's August. And uh, we'll be talking about Kate Clanchy accidentally cancelling herself. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. <laughs> In Scotland, the SSTA union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association said, if the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed 
and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run-up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences, following Nadeem Sahawi's letter to school leaders urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NAS UWT, Dr Patrick Roach said, far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening reader view. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open reader view in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers 8 background slash contrast colours, 4 light and 4 dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives, and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three, or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. 
There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with four points to two after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back. I'm Tabitha McIntosh on The Breakfast Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Today, I'm looking back over the things that caused EduTwitter to explode. So far, we've covered um, the mass shaming and culture war against headmaster Lee Hill uh, by the right-wing press, uh, the spectator, a variety of things that all had a very happy ending when he was given a glowing Ofsted report um, a couple of weeks ago. Well done, Lee. We've also covered Stuart Locke and the Bedford School becoming the unfortunate target of everyone's ire at Gavin Williamson when um, that school and Stuart himself were chosen to promote Gavin Williamson's new behaviour hub policy. Um, and that was a silent corridor fight, which remains one of the most reliable ways to start a fight on edgy Twitter. Um, then we looked at another head teacher who got, uh, as the phrase goes, monstered in the right wing press because they love a good fight and also exploded all over edgy Twitter. And that was about allegedly, based on one line in the Daily Mail, training students to respond to whistle commands, which, again, she didn't really get a chance to talk about because she had to disappear from Twitter. This is a theme we'll see over and over and over again. But as I said before the news, um, we're about to talk about the biggest fight of all that happened this year, one that has huge attention from the rest of the world, the real world, as it were, um, and one that is consistently misreported still. So it still goes on. There's there's still anger and defensiveness within Twitter. There's um, justifiable outrage from the group of women of colour in publishing who addressed the situation and were themselves turned into the target of, of sort of national and international ire. And it's the Kate Clanchy book, Some Kids I Taught and What They Taught Me, and how it was she came to find herself cancelled, um, which she's just written about in December. What keeps being forgotten is that Kate Clanchy cancelled herself, and here's how it happened. So July 30th, she was um, posting about a review on Goodreads by a you know someone who'd hardly written any reviews, an anonymous reviewer, and a She's saying there are lying reviews about me. July 30th, she posted, flag the reviews. None of these terms are in my book. It's all made up. And then she posted a screenshot of the review, which I will read to you. I'm a teacher myself, said the review on Goodreads, and I had so many issues with this book. The narrative is centered on this white middle-class woman's harmful, judgmental, and bigoted views on race, class, and body image. The young people she describes are narrowly fitted into these preconceived categories and Clanchy doesn't seem to view them through any other lens. Firstly, Kate Clanchy describes young people of colour as racist stereotypes. This is the crucial part. She describes students as so Afghan, in quotations, black young people with chocolate skin, another with slanted eyes and almond-shaped eyes, an African voice or a Jewish nose. She calls one young person African Jonathan. 
Planchi's viewpoints on young people of colour are bigoted and I find it uncomfortable that she is profiting from their life stories as a middle-class white woman. These young people have interesting stories and write wonderful poems, yet it's Clanchy who controls the narrative and makes the money from them. So, to say again, 30th of July, she tweets out a screenshot of that and says, all of these quotations are made up. They're not in my book. Her campaign here to get this particular reviewer cancelled, um, she starts people start talking about legal notices to be sent to Goodreads, that it's defamation, that it needs to be taken down. Um, she's using her very large platform and, and her connection of a collection of very well-connected people to push this campaign. Philip Pullman eventually starts, you know, tweeting in support of her and the outrage of this made-up racist language, which is definitely in no way in her book. When presented with that collection of quotations, she says, I would never have said anything like that. But then what happens is that an anonymous user um, opens a Twitter account, Calamity with a K, and begins sharing screenshots from the book that show one after another of those quotations, they're all in the book, right? So, for example, the sentence, um, one of the only boys involved, involved tall, strong, African Jonathan. So there we go, there was African Jonathan. This one was, and again, I, this is not about whether or not you think the language itself is wrong or deeply problematic. This is very much about whether the language was in the book or not. And remember, she started all of it by drawing attention to all of that language and saying, it's not my book, it's all made up. Here we have um, someone who is more muscular and square set with chocolate colored skin. So that one was in the book, as Calamity with a K pointed out to us. Um, they're a funny pair. Is that so small and square and Afghan with his big nose? So there's another one. Uh, the next one, her black almond-shaped eyes. So that one's there too. Every single one of them is there. The one that's not actually there is Jewish nose, but that's because it says Ashkenazi nose instead, as many people pointed out. So the inside story, the background story to that is that I, like I'm sure lots of people, started getting DMs from, from our friends on Edgy Twitter from teachers who all follow Kate Clanchy and have admired the poetry her students write sharing Calamity with a K screenshots from the Kindle edition and going, what do we do about this? Well, you know, she's launching a campaign against this user who is, you might not agree with the review, but every single quotation she's pulled is in good faith. You know, they're all literally there. And Kate Clanchy has now got, you know, several thousand people baying for the blood of this reviewer, this evil reviewer who made up quotations, when actually, as, as this anonymous Twitter user is showing, they're all there. And then some people went and bought the book at that point to check for themselves to make sure it wasn't made up. Um, and there was general bafflement and a hesitation to say anything. Um, Clanchy is, is high profile. Uh, she has high profile friends. Um, not to put myself at the center of this because I'm not, but I then did tweet just for anyone who isn't aware, all the language cited in the alleged troll reviews is in the book. And then one by one, people started looking at it and saying it was in the book. Now, that snowballed, obviously. Um, the book had won the Orwell Prize. It had got been very well received. There were people critiquing it since publication, but they didn't get much um, amplification. So while there were critiques, while people had discussed this very language in reviews, um, this Goodreads review that Clancy had gone after was from November 2020. It didn't have any traction. The person who gave it traction was Kate Clancy herself, 
um, when she was presented again with a, a collection of, of quotations that she deemed racist and made up that weren't in her book. That is an example of something called the Streisand effect, where Barbara Streisand, in attempting to get um, the image of her house removed from the internet, did nothing but really call attention to where her house was on the internet, which is why I'm calling it a self-cancellation. Now, <clears throat> the reason why, I mean, that one was huge, but the reason why I'm bringing it up again in the context of cancellation is because um, Kate Clanchy has specifically cited my tweets um, as being the most hurtful and the most um, the most typical of thoughtless, monstrous tweeting. So let me read you the tweet she specifically cites. Um, Shout out to every white person who is bereaved, I said on the 9th of August. Caring for the dying, grieving, broken, getting by on fumes, yet who somehow doesn't manage to do a racism. Yes, this is another clanchy tweet. At that point, she'd apologised for what she called the careless language of her book, said she'd rewrite it, um, and said that her parents, she'd suffered a bereavement in January 2021, and that that was why a book written two years before had careless language in it. And at that point, you know, I, I care for, I live with and care for my dying mother. Um, a lot of people I know on Twitter have lost their parents this year. I didn't find that anything other than um, useless. I, I, it, it enraged me. Anyway, she was very hurt about that. Here's what she said in her article, um, the article in Prospect that focused on her um, and her cancellation. She said, I'm also sure that the English teacher who wrote, shout out to every white person who is bereaved, caring for the dying, grieving, yet who somehow doesn't manage to do a racism, yes, this is another clanchy tweet, was motivated by passionate anger and went back to teaching Lord of the Flies, The Scarlet Letter and Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, almost satisfied that none of those texts had anything in common with the words she had just used. So it's really up to HP <laughs> Histories pointing out, is she cancelled or is she writing in prospect? You have to choose one. Yeah. And in fact, the Picador publisher had done what, um, had gone out to say that he didn't feel that um, she had been sufficiently supported, that they should have resisted people critiquing her book. I was just like, it's all to step back again and notice, which was the point of this segment, that she did this to herself. I don't mean to victim blame. That is not what I'm doing at all. I'm saying that by trying to cancel someone else, she inadvertently caused her own cancellation because she didn't recognize her own language when she saw it quoted and declared it racist and fraudulent. I know Daniel's saying, does anyone teach Shirley Jackson? Yeah, no, because I don't teach US high school. If I taught US high school, then um, I'd have all of these amazing examples easily to hand. Um, but let's move on from that. And um, I am interested to know if you if you think I engaged in monstrosity there. I know um, a lot of people, shout out to Shivan Davis, think that I engaged in a witch hunt, that I was part of a witch hunt there. Um, you're cool. I don't think so, obviously. I live happy with my, my non-winch huntiness. But let's go to um, a more one of the more farcical edgy Twitter beefs. That was August. We wore ourselves out in August, cancelling Kate Clanchy or being cancelled by Kate Clanchy, one or the other. And then in September, we had a new term and it brought us the glory that was the charge of the Light Brigade fight. 
who can forget that Cumberland Community School tweeted, Charge of the Light Brigade performed by Year 7 during their daily lineup. Wow. Innocently, innocently thinking that we would like to see the children do Charge of the Light Brigade. And some of us really did. Some of us really did not. When I say us, I remained agnostic on this one. I, I have no problem with chanting, you know, whatever. Chanting is fun. And I like Charge of the Light Brigade. But I did think that the people claiming it was preparing them for GCSE English literature were off base. I mean, that's, that's pretty much not how we do GCSE lit, copying down poems, but there you go. Uh, yeah, you forgot that one, Eugene. And yeah, it was so exciting. Um, <laughs> Shake, Shake and that chalk who, who does pause on the issue of the day, the way he phrased it was a chanting of poems en masse in schools. As part of a school initiative, all staff are required to assemble in rows and chant a poem, modelling exactly how the children will perform it. What will you do? Your choices were, I'm up for it. I'll do it, but I'm not happy and I would refuse. 30.6% uh, of us said we would refuse. 42.8% of us said that we would be up for it. I think as with most of these discussions, we all ended up taking sides that have very little to do with if we really would want our head teachers to make us line up and chant, I don't know, Invictus, or uh, how we felt about the other people making the arguments. Because also in September, we have one of the more outrageous comments from an edu tweeter. Um, I'm gonna quote Matt Ben-David talking about it. Even Britain's most draconian behavior policy trademark sign would be light years away from, I'm oh, sorry, even Britain's most draconian behavior policy now, policymaker would be light years away from Hitler and the Nazi party WTF is wrong with them. How dare they equate calm corridors with the absolute horror of what the Nazis did? How very dare they? That was, it was an incendiary comment. I'm not going to mention the tweeter because then I'd be cancelling him. But um, the, the silent corridors is literally Hitler wing. Um, never truly does go away, though it, it is a minority of viewpoints. That rumbled into an October teacher tap poll that made our collective heads melt. And the question was that you had to agree with, I don't mind pupils chatting in my classroom as long as they get the work done. 10% uh, said they strongly agreed, 28% said they somewhat agreed, 29% that they said that they slightly agreed. So a, a clear majority in favor of classroom chat is okay. Somewhat disagree was 11% and only 8% were strongly disagree. And this, <laughs> this prompted absolute outrage. <laughs> Eugene is saying people are wrong. <laughs> HP history unleashing the gates of hell here, Tabitha. Yeah, oh, there was so much posturing. I postured too. I always posture. I love to posture. I'm queen of posturing. Um, I think... Jonathan Mount Stevens, who I adore, um, wonderful history teacher, said something along the lines of like, well, if your pupils are chatting and getting the work done, then the work's not hard enough for them, is it? And then it turned into a huge debate about what we meant by the word chat, which of course meant that it was secretly a proxy debate about progs versus trads. And yeah, a lot of people arguing with imaginary versions of things. I would just always advise us to, to stay away from two things. Number one, the you must be a Nazi version. And number two, you must be Jean-Jacques Rousseau encouraging your students to roll around in daisies on a mountaintop in Zurich, right? Like, neither of these things actually exist, although of course there is always one or two people willing to caricature themselves in that way. But the vast majority of people don't fit either of those extremes. But that's always more fun. 
to argue about it. <laughs> Beth is saying Eugene is anti-chat, but talking about it in the chat. Yeah, Eugene, what do you say to that? You're chatting about the work. Well, ha, Eugene, that's the third way position that um, I imagine a prof would say. What if they're chatting, but they're chatting about the work? Well, they shouldn't be. Uh, I'm anticipating the English fight, which is going to come up soon. Chat beef, however, was um, very rapidly overtaken by the most unlikely topic of conversation on Edu Twitter this year, which was Original Sin. Shout out to Original Sin. Now, like the Kate Clanchy tweet, um, I was a tiny bit instrumental in this one um, because I screenshot the original Sin the original, original Sin tweet, tweeted out saying, good to see that the social mobility czar is apparently going to be tackling the greatest cause of educational disadvantage, original sin. And what she'd said in response to someone saying, our children do believe that we're born bad, said exactly, original sin. Children need to be taught right from wrong and then habituated into choosing good over evil. That requires love and constant correction from all the adults in their lives over years. Moral formation is a good thing. Thumbs up. Right. So, wow. I think um, it's one thing to be an anonymous, you know, a, a regular head teacher like, say, Lee Hill or the poor woman who had to delete her Twitter forever because of the, the dog whistles and stuff. But um, Catherine Burblesing has had just been made, um, you know, a czar in charge of social mobility, which put her into an extra level of um, media prominence. Uh, it gets difficult there to you, you get reported on if if you are that kind of important but she got generally favorable reporting let me read you some of the headlines 28th of october in unheard why children should be taught original sin catherine burble singh shouldn't be attacked for stating the obvious 30 of october the Times: strictest head teacher catherine burble singh says children are born with sin 30th of october daily mail Social mobility czar sparks backlash after claiming children are born with original sin as she's accused of whipping up division. Catherine Burble Singh slammed for saying children are born with original sin. Government advisor was appointed chairwoman of Social Mobility Commission, responded to a comment on Twitter which read, we are all born bad. Um, all of these stories, like so much um, in the press. Yes, that chap there is saying sardom and stardom. Excellent point. I'm going to steal that from now on. Um, all of these stories end up being built off of screenshot tweets. Uh, at some point, any of you just Google your own Twitter handle in the news tab of Google and see when you've become part of the story, whether you knew it or not. Sometimes I go and um, in the, the Daily Mail likes to confect culture war stories about broadcasting. Um, and it's a side project of mine to go search up all the individual tweets they're referencing and see much how much traction they got at the time. Um, I'm still friends on Twitter with someone who um, whose tweet became the subject of a story about how the internet was outraged at the cancellation of Porridge, the show, rather than the substance, um, which had one like, and yeah, that was enough to build an article on. And somehow we never get famous. It's so tragic. <laughs> Eugene is saying, I'm beating my kids at double with my superior pattern recognition. Congratulations, Eugene. Uh, then Daily Mail in November. Keep your opinions at home. Lorraine viewers slam patronizing social mobility czar who defended claim that children are born with original sin. Catherine Burblesing from London said children are born with original sin. 
government advisor, was appointed chairwoman of Social Mobility Commission, responded to a comment on Twitter which read, we are all born mad, defended comments on Lorraine saying adults need to help children behave. She was slated by viewers for appearance, with many calling her patronising. One trick that the Daily Mail has is they, <laughs> in their alleged headline section, they give you the whole story, their version of it, the highlights, so you don't really need to read the rest, which is certainly one way of doing journalism. Uh, 12th of November, the Church Times, the church is getting in on the act at this point. Burble Singh is right about Original Sin. Um, I did a show about Original Sin for Teachers Talk Radio, which I personally was very fond of, because the other thing is that um, Ms. Burble Singh went back to it. She doubled down as you know, how do we react on Twitter to having all this attention paid to us? I would always recommend to people, as I'll mention when we get to Pengate, that you mute your notifications when you've suddenly touched a nerve. I stay for a while, argue, by all means, but it's not good for you to, to look at what people are saying to you after a while. Um, I've still got one tweet muted where I, <laughs> I came in from teaching T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J.R. for Proofer to my year 12 English Lit group. It's a divine collection of teenage girls who um, are deeply intellectually rigorous, but also very, very funny and very, very online. We read Proof Rock, we talked about it, and uh, and they, they all basically came to the same conclusion. So I tweeted, just finished doing Proof Rock with my year 12s, and they all decided he was an incel. Right? My God, that did not go down well. A man from The Spectator was very angry with me. I was the reason for educational decline in our schools today. So I muted that one. For all I know, I'm still destroying education forever with um, <laughs> with Proofrock. I suggest you do the same thing. But Catherine Bebelsing took the other approach, which is to not mute it, but go back to it. Because you know, good for her. She wants to stand by her opinion. She wants to argue with her critics. She agrees with her point. So then we had a series of tweets about chocolate and broccoli and original sin and long story short she blocked me but yeah that that was a big one right so december we get to december and um and then we have the fight over english the other weekend that went on for an entire week and involved a cast of at least hundreds <laughs> of english teachers past and present um that one was all my fault i'll read you the tweet that started that one I've never taught the same text twice, and I've been teaching the same text for nine years. If you have all your, all your questions and your teaching points planned in advance, you aren't teaching English, you're teaching students to replicate the contents of your own head. Now, where I went wrong is that I was talking about something very specific. I was subtweeting something very specific and made a huge grandiose statement. And of course, people were quite right to call me on it, which, which they did, friends and foes alike said, well, I think you're overstating there. So I, I clarified, no, 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 I mean completely scripted lessons. Um, and I meant some very specific completely scripted lessons. <laughs> HB History, I'm just looking to see uh, the comments here. Um, HB History saying, I mute the teacher talk radio notifications when Badger Ed has taken over. Yeah, we haven't talked about Badger Ed. That was something that happened this year. That was the best thing that happened this year, or the worst, depending on who you, who you talk to. Yeah, that chap there is saying, yeah, this one was definitely my fault. Well, that's the thing. When you salty tweet, you know what's going to happen. It's a deliberate provocation. And when you've got, you know, a sufficient amount of followers and people who don't like you, then, um, yeah, 
and I'm just talking about me here. So I'm saying I deserve everything I get. I'm not going to say that about anybody else. There's, there's few things worse than someone with very few followers being picked on by someone with very many followers for having a bad take and then the entire internet being encouraged to pile on them. But I've got lots of followers. You know, I, I deserve, if I, if I tweet something bad, you're entitled to tell me I've made a hideous mistake. Um, but what happened then, and I know it's very recent, so you don't really need reminding, you're still fresh from the scars of seeing English teachers arguing with each other and arguing with science teachers and arguing with math teachers. One thing that was interesting there was I had a proxy war with um, old Andrew that went on for a week because old Andrew had blocked me, um, but was still upset by this tweet. So a ridiculous behavior. It was a bit where, where he was talking to the people he wasn't blocked by or blocking. And I was talking to the people I wasn't blocked by or blocking. And thereby we were disagreeing with each other by proxy, um, either like the House of Commons where you direct things to the speaker. Perhaps the speaker could tell Andrew that Ms. McIntosh thinks, or more like uh, when your parents are arguing and and <laughs> they, you know, tell your father that I'd like him to pass the parsnips sort of business. Yeah. <laughs> Badger Ed does have a lot to answer for. Hi, Nick and Nick's mum. We are, Have you released your advent calendar picture for today? Ah, busy morning. Okay, so that was English. Um, and that, again, we all pick sides or we end up thinking we're disagreeing with each other in ways that we really don't. And that one ended, I think, quite nicely in that, you know, pretty much every English teacher agrees on this one. We all do teach in remarkably similar ways um, to remarkably similar ends. There's very, very, very few people who are using uniform scripted um, lessons across departments or across multiple academy trusts. I don't actually know of one that does that. Obviously, teaching points, da da da, that's all very different. And I really shouldn't have implied that was the same. But actually, we all kind of agree with each other. We all like books. We all like children liking books. And we help them do it. And it ended up with some very, very nice projects for people to actually record what happens in a lesson so that we could disabuse people of the notion that we did the equivalent of rolling round in Alpine meadows with Jean Jacques Rousseau. No meadows for us kids, none at all. And that takes us to the most recent beef that's still going on because my God, we love a beef. And that of course is Pengate. Ah, oh, Pengate, how I won't miss you when you're gone. So this was Miss P Teachers. Um, shout out to Miss P Teachers for, for not deleting her account. Um, she nearly did, she was on the edge of it, but my God, she stuck through and I'm really glad she did. She's, she's a good person to have around. And she tweeted, this is the original tweet, which I have a screenshot of because Obviously, she deleted it. Um, all of these original, original sins of of an edgy beef end up being deleted, and so you end up arguing about things that have disappeared, arguing around an absence. Her tweet was: "Pupils not having a pen is an enormous bugbear of mine, and I give detentions out for it." Asterisk, going to a footnote, hides from Twitter. So, you know, like me, when I tweeted my obnoxious thing about, like, if you've got your answers done, then you're not a teacher. You're a monster of the worst kind, looking at you, Douglamov. Um, it's, you know, she knew there'd be some, uh, some pushback. She knew that it would be a fun educational debate. Little did she know, poor woman, what would happen next? As she had to say on um, December 16th, I've decided to delete the pen tweet and step away from Twitter for a bit 
I'm quite a thick skinned person, but being told I shouldn't be a teacher and don't care about kids is too much for me. Um, yes, she got blamed for in that one, as with silent corridors, as with imaginary dog whistles, as with um, compulsory smiling. We all bring our own personal experience to the table. And an awful lot of that was about it turned into arguments about, um, ooh, uh, I turned into, that was me responding to a comment, which I'll come to in a second, turned into arguments about other things, right? And and yeah, the specter of, of Rousseau versus Nazis always comes up in those um, in those conversations. Eugene is saying the pen is mightier than the sword. Eugene, we're all done with pen puns. We can't cope with any more pen puns. Carolina's pointing out the pen one is still going strong. It is. And I keep being sarcastically involved because it's so amusing to me. <laughs> the pen one is still going on. Alex Wright um, has got really adorable. He's like a, like a, an upset five-year-old that doesn't like it that everyone's fighting. So keeps tweeting out the, the best possible takes on Pengate. Like, um, yeah, I think Eugene, you had a lovely thing about only doing it with inkwells and, and raven skulls or something. But that doesn't stop it. It still it carries on. We still have more things to say about pens. HB History is saying we look forward to an old Andrew special with me on in 2022 i would love to i really want andrew to like me i don't like it that he doesn't like me i like i if he hadn't blocked me i would spend half of every day trying to make him laugh and he would just grow more and more irritated with me and say oh for pity's sake and that would make me giggle and my life complete so um yeah just so you know anyone out there send him a direct line please be friends with tabby She's not that bad. I am that bad. <coughs> um, yeah, I'm going to wrap up at eight today because uh, it's my Christmas holidays. So just before then, um, I'm going to give you some comments that other people have said about being attacked on Twitter. Uh, Tommy, proudly pastoral, you might remember this beef, says, Personally, I was called a jingoistic, nationalist, arrogant skin skinhead and a disgusting role model for students all for the crime of understanding why athletes take off runners-up medals. And then I was blocked before being able to defend myself. That was interesting. Yeah. Any of you get blocked? <laughs> Eugene is saying, that would be an amazing odd couple comedy. And Beth is saying, I'm sure he doesn't really dislike you. No, I'm sure he doesn't either, Beth, because that will, I'm not that important. I'm sure he doesn't waste any of his day shaking his fist comedically into the sky about me and my wicked Twitter ways, though it would amuse me if he did. That could be part of our amazing odd couple comedy. Um, just looking back at other comments. Daniel's saying that, um, that there is a place that has perfectly identical lessons, complete with identical intonation. Now, see, if you tweeted about that, you'd most definitely get people talking about, about high control fascism and training with whistles and, and all those kinds of things. <laughs> all right so one more time with the news before i go today and uh then do stick around so i can wish you all a merry christmas are you looking to take your phonics practice forward then little wondle letters and sounds revised is the program for you created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics little wondle letters and sounds revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching 
alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the SSTA union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association, said... If the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed, and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run-up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences, following Nadim Sahawi's letter to school leaders urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NASUWT, Dr Patrick Roach said, far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Hi everybody, welcome back and that's a goodbye from me. Uh, Tabitha, would I like to do a Twitter space for Teachers Talk Radio, maybe co-host with Alex? I would love to, that would be wonderful. Um, 
So it just reminds me to say goodbye for the year. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in throughout the year, especially those of you who've tuned in week after week to listen to me ramble about the history of some weird thing in education. Thank you to everybody who's come on to be interviewed by me. Um, so many of you, and you've been so wonderful. There was uh, Jasmine on her own, Jasmine and Daniel. There was um, Alex Wright telling us how his head works and how he writes creatively. We had Rob Polk, who, um, whose book with Badger in the title, um, we got publisher's discount on after a summer of Badger Ed. Uh, there has been Sammy Wright, the former Social Mobility Commission member and author of the new book Lit. There's been James Hanscom, well, sorry, hashtag national treasure, James Hanscom, who's um, got a wonderful self-published book spoken by a donkey, as well as um, a great book of assemblies that he's given at Harris Westminster Sixth Form. And that was just some of them. Do come on and be interviewed by me. I promise I'm fun. Oh, um, Pam Jarvis. Can't forget her. Absolutely wonderful. And um, she also has a novel out. And it just remains for me, therefore, to say thank you very much to the people who have badges in their usernames, to the people who identified as badges, to the people who made me giggle all summer and can cheer me up at any moment with absolute nerdery and nonsense. And that, just to name some people, is Eugene, Daniel, Dan, Nick, Christina, June, Lil, Alison, John, Matt, and, and Matt Ben-David, Richard, John, Carolina, Samuel, Alistair, Stewart, Moomin, Rob, Alex, Kanto, Kitty, Gwen, Benny, Chris, Dr. S, B, and Angie, and many, many more people. You are all wonderful human beings, and you make Edu Twitter a very good place. Thank you for putting up with me and my endless beefing. Um, this has been Tabitha McIntosh and 2021. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.